Hello, everyone. It's Pastor Terry here. And uh, what I'm going to do today is start a series on end time events. End time events. You know, due to the uh, things going on in our country right now, with the coronavirus and social distancing and, and all of that, I thought it would be helpful to take a look at what the Bible has to say about end time events. You know, some have asked me, are we in the tribulation period that the Bible talks about? Well, the answer to that is no. We are not in the tribulation period right now that the Bible talks about. That is a much worse thing than what we're dealing with right now. Although some similarities, as we'll see as we go, but we're not in the tribulation period at this time that the Bible talks about. Now, uh, the end time events is something that I've been studying for, uh, I don't know, probably about the last 35 years. And it's a very interesting subject. And, you know, I found that most people are interested in what the future holds. So this series will be uh, something that it, it's not going to, I'm not going to get very, very deep into to the, di the different things we could talk about. But my objective here is to take someone who knows little to nothing about what the Bible says about end time events and give them a working knowledge. And so I'm going to title this series End Times for Dummies. Now, I'm not implying that anyone is a dummy at all, but you remember some years ago, there was a series of books that came out, uh, you know, uh, you know, like car repair for dummies or um, you know, fixing a washing machine for dummies or that, that sort of thing. And so it was the goal of those books were to take someone who knew nothing about a subject and give them a working knowledge of it. And so that's what, what I'm going to do my best to do is take uh, a subject that is, is pretty complex, uh, you know, study of end time events in the Bible and, uh, and, and make it where, uh, you can, can have a working knowledge of the subject. You know, about one third of the Bible approximately deals with, with uh, prophecy. And the word prophecy just uh, uh, means foretelling future events. And, uh, and so, you know, one third of the Bible is about prophecy. So, it, you know, it's, it's a good, good thing to take a look at, 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 uh, at prophecy. So um, I'm going to be going through the book of Revelation. Now, a lot of people uh, they get they get scared off by the Book of Revelation and they don't really look at it or study it. And and true enough, it is a it, it is a complex book. There's a lot of symbolism in it. And uh, but but don't let all of that scare you. And and I'll kind of take you through some of the symbols and whatnot, and hopefully uh, make it more understandable to you. But we're going to use the Book of Revelation. So if you'd like a reading assignment. Uh, read the book of Revelation, and uh, we're going to overview that and uh, kind of hit the mountain peaks and um, uh, just kind of summarize it for you. I won't be going through, through it verse by verse or chapter by chapter, but just kind of hitting the mountain peaks. And just like I said earlier, just giving someone who knows little to nothing about uh, end time events, just to give them a working to give you a working knowledge of it, okay? Now, we will use some other uh, Old Testament and New Testament books as we go, uh, look at different verses, but primarily uh, the book of Revelation. Now, you know, if you have 100 preachers preaching on the subject of the end times, you're going to get about 100 different viewpoints. And so I want to just mention something to you about essentials and non-essentials. You know, uh, for example, uh, Jesus being the virgin-born Son of God, us believing that and agreeing on that is an essential, okay? Uh, the fact that he died upon the cross and was buried and risen from the dead, that is an essential. We must agree with that. That, that, is, that is a must. But uh, uh, a non-essential is, is much of what we're going to be studying here in this series what I mean by that is you may disagree with me on on a lot of what I have to say. You know, people who who have studied the subject may listen to me and 
not agree with some of the things I, I, I'm saying and whatnot. Uh, but like, for example, you know, if, if some people believe, believe in a, a pre-trib rapture, some in a mid-trib rapture. Now, if you don't know what the rapture means, just hold on and I'll explain that to you. But but like mid-trib, pre-trib, all of that, we'll explain that as we go. But we can disagree on all of that and, and still be just fine and still make heaven. See, we, we have to agree on who Jesus is, but we don't have to necessarily agree on like the rapture or or what country the Antichrist arises out of and all of that. We, we don't have to agree on, on that. Uh, you know, we can disagree on that and still be fine, still go to heaven. Okay, so so uh, I just wanted to bring out that some of the things we'll be studying, you know, if, if, if you don't agree with me or you have a different viewpoint, you know, that, that's just fine. Um, so let's get started. Now, the word, I want to start with this word, eschatology, eschatology. Now, that's a... Uh, kind of a, a, a interesting word, eschatology. But what that is, what that means is it's the study of Bible uh, prophecy as it pertains to the future. The study of Bible prophecy as it pertains to the future. Or we could say it this way, eschatology is just the study of end time events. The study of end time events. Now, I want to say this, end times when we talk about end times, a lot of people think, you know, that the, that the earth is going to be blown up and that human life is going to cease to exist and all of that. Well, let me, let me say this. The earth, according to the Bible, is not going to be blown up and human life is not going to be extinguished, okay? And we'll see that as we go. Now, the earth is going to be at some future point renovated, the, the earth and the atmosphere around it is going to be renovated by fire, okay? But we'll talk about that a little bit later on. So in this series, uh, end times, when I say end times, it has to do with the events that lead up to Jesus's second coming and uh, his millennial reign, that's his 1,000 year reign that he's going to have here on the earth. And then as we move on out into eternity. So when we talk about end times here, I'm talking about the events that lead up primarily to Jesus's second coming. Now, in the Bible, there, there are some major signs. And there's a lot of signs, but there's some major signs of the end times that indicate that we're living in the last days or the end times. And again, when I say last days, I don't mean that you know, everything's going to cease to exist at some point, but just the, the, the time of the end of the last days, you know, leading up to Jesus's second coming. Now, it's clear in the Bible that we cannot know the exact day or hour when Jesus comes, okay? But we can know the season. We can know the season. And, uh, I believe that we're living in that season right now. But having said that, every generation from the uh, from the time of Jesus's apostles to the present time, as you look over the past 2000 years, every generation thought that they were going to be the generation that saw the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. OK, because, you know, in every generation, certain signs were were there. Um, but it's interesting, and we'll see this here in just a moment, that at the time we live, you have a lot of, of the Bible signs all happening at the same time, okay? And that is what I believe is, is much different about the time we're living in uh, than when you look at the last 2,000 years, is that you have, you have these major Bible signs all happening at the same time. Now, one thing before we look at some of the signs of the end times that I want to mention to you is, you know, the word soon or quickly. You know, God, uh, you know, in, in, the, in the book of Revelation, for example, God, the Lord Jesus Christ, he is God, of course. You know, he'll, he'll say, I'm coming quickly or something's going to be happening soon. And you have to realize as you study uh, prophecy and end time events and all of that, eschatology, now you should know what that word means now, the study of end time events, is that time to God is different than time to us, okay? 
So the Bible says that one year, uh, one day, one day is as a thousand years to God. One day is as a thousand years. Okay. So, so one day to God is like a thousand years to us. Now, think about a thousand years. That's, that's a long time. Okay. To you and me, but to God, that's like one day. Okay. So if you'll remember that, it'll help you. Because Jesus said before he left the earth, you know, after he was risen from the dead, he said, you know, he said, behold, I come quickly. Or he actually said that to the uh, apostle John in the book of Revelation. We'll get to that in a moment. He said, behold, I come quickly. And, you know, it's been 2000 years. But to, to, to Jesus, the way he looks at time, it's only been two days. So in two days, is not very long? So if you if you think about it, that way, and you understand time that way, uh, it'll be helpful to you, you know, because people say, well, you know, when's Jesus coming? When's Jesus coming? You know, and the Bible says that many even scoff at that, you know, well, he made that promise that he's coming and he he hasn't got here yet. He said he was coming quickly. Well, you know, to him, it is quickly, but to us, you know, again, one day is with the Lord is a thousand years. So, to us, it's a long time, but to him, it is quickly. So I thought I'd mention that to you, that that would be helpful. Okay. Now, let me list some of the major signs that the, the Bible gives that, that that will tell us or let us know that we're living in the last days or the end, end times. Okay. Now, the first one is, and there's several of these, but I just want to give you some of the major ones. The first one is, is that Israel needs to be a nation. Okay, and it needs to be in existence as a nation. Now that happened in 1948. Okay, so that's a major sign that Israel is again a nation. Another sign that that uh, the Lord Jesus talked about is that there would be massive, great earthquakes in various parts of the world, and of course we've seen that. And then uh, the condition of the world that the moral condition of the world getting worse and worse and more sinful and more sinful. And of course, we've seen that. I just want to read 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, read some verses here. Listen to this. 2 Timothy 3 verse 1. But know this, that in the last days perilous, notice the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. From such people turn away. Well, you know as well as I do, we see that going on. I mean, in our nation, uh, think of all the shootings and, and, and the school shootings and the other shootings and church shootings and all of that. I mean, my goodness. So you see that sign. And then, of course, that's among the world. But then among the church, the Bible says that there would be a condition of lukewarmness among much of the church. And, of course, uh, that is going on. And then... Uh, in the book of Daniel, chapter 12, verse 4, Daniel 12, verse 4, gives one of the most astounding signs, at least to me, that we're living in the, in the time of the end. And let me just read this to you. I think it's astounding. Uh, Daniel 12, verse 4. But you, Daniel, so Daniel is told to shut up the words and seal the book. So he had been given prophecy of future events. And actually, the book of Daniel is really the revelation of the Old Testament. It's like the book of Revelation only in the Old Testament because he talks about Gentile kingdoms and, and so on and so forth. And I may mention some of that as we go. But, but here, let me read this. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Now listen, until the time of the end, many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. Now, that has my full attention. Think of this. He says, 
you know, the, 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 I believe it was the angel here of God gives this to Daniel and says, you know, that at the time of the end, many will run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. Now, running to and fro, as I've studied into this over the years, I that has to do, at least from my study of it, to speedy worldwide travel. Well, you certainly see that. And uh, but 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 here's here's this knowledge shall increase. Now you think about that sometime. Just think about the 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 modern day inventions and the things that we thousand years, you know, technology didn't move along all that quickly. But you just think in the last hundred or so years, you know, I mean, my grandpa rode a horse and a buggy, okay, and now uh I'm able to get in a 747 and fly across the country in just in just hours of time. And 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 you think about just just think about medical science how it has advanced and and just think about, you know, uh computers and and all of that. Think about communication. I mean, wasn't all that long ago, you know, you had smoke signals and then a telegraph and a telephone and then I mean, now think about the telephone how it has advanced and I mean, it's just, it's just incredible. Just look at the technology we're using right here. I can be talking to you right here and, and this possibly can be going. I mean, we've had reports that, you know, people have been watching these, these, uh, broadcasts here that we've been doing from, from all over the world. I mean, so, so the prophet Daniel wrote and said by the spirit of God, the angel gave this to him, you know, and, 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 and at the time of the end, knowledge shall increase. So we've seen that. My goodness. I mean, my goodness. If that doesn't tell you we're, you know, we're in the time of the end, I don't know what else would. And, you know, there's a verse in the Bible. It's in actually in the book of Revelation, the first chapter, that says that when Jesus returns, every eye shall see him. Now, you just think about that. Just go back. I mean, Back, however many, I don't know, go back 100 years ago, that wasn't possible. But you think about right now, you know, something can happen and somebody can, you know, somebody can do something and someone can can click it on their phone, take a picture or a video of it and shoot that around the world. And I mean, in no time. And, you know, like the, the, the news networks and whatnot. I mean, when Jesus comes back, there's no question that. That all the news networks are going to be out there, you know, uh, uh, having their cameras on that and every eye will see him. See, that couldn't have happened many, many years ago, but now that's possible. So, so we see knowledge has vastly, vastly increased. And again, listen to this. Let me read it again. Daniel was told to seal up his book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. So, friends, we're living in the time of the end. So, that being said, let's start the book of Revelation. You know, many think, so so it's the last book in the Bible, okay? Uh, So, turn on over there with me. Let's go to the last book in the Bible, the book of Revelation. Now, many, when you say the book of Revelation, right away, a lot of people start thinking about the Antichrist. And you say, well, who is that? Well, that's an evil person that's going to arise in the future. And we'll talk about him as we go. But sad to say that most people, when you talk about the book of Revelation, you know, they start thinking about, oh, the Antichrist. And actually, the book of Revelation, the, 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 the central theme of that book is not the revelation of the Antichrist, but it actually has to do with the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. That's what the book is all about. Yes, the Antichrist is mentioned quite quite a bit, but the book of Revelation actually has to do with the revelation of Jesus Christ. Actually, the, the Greek word, see, the New Testament was written in the Greek language, and the Greek word for the for revelation is apocalypse, apocalypsis. Let me see if I said that right. Apocalypsis. That's I'm not a Greek scholar, as you can see. But uh, but nonetheless, uh, apocalypsis is the Greek word, and uh, we get our English word apocalypse, apocalypse. So that's, you know, 
the revelation, the book of revelation, the word revelation, it, it really means apocalypse. And of course, when you say the word apocalypse, people are thinking, you know, about devastation and destruction and all of that. And there is a lot of that in the book of revelation, as we'll see. But, uh, um, when we use the word apocalypse here in studying the book of Revelation, it has to do more with the revealing of Jesus Christ or the unveiling of him as he comes back in his, in his return to earth. Um, so anyway, the author of the book of Revelation, of course, it was God, the Holy Spirit, you know, the Lord Jesus. He's the author of the Bible, but he used men to write it. And uh, one of Jesus's disciples named John, he had been exiled to the Isle of Patmos, the island of Patmos. And now a little assignment for you, go to, go to Google or go to your computer or, or your study books or whatever and study about the Isle of Patmos and find out where that was in the world. And, and, and so that's a little, I'm going to give you a little assignments as we go through here. I want you to have to do a little bit of work as we go. But he was, he was uh, exiled because of his testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ to the Isle of Patmos. And uh, actually, tradition says that he was boiled in oil. The uh, dictator of that time had him boiled in oil. And uh, when they brought his body back up out of the boiling oil, he was unharmed. Now, you think about the power of God to protect somebody. And it scared that dictator so bad that, uh, uh, that he had him banished, John banished, to the Isle of Patmos. And so John is on the Isle of Patmos, and uh, he's in prayer one day, and uh, all of a sudden, you know, he's 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 in the spirit. I mean, he's over. He he you know he got over in the spirit, you know, and um, and Jesus appears to him, the resurrected Lord. And now here's another assignment for you. I want you to read Revelation, the first chapter. Okay. Now you can read that. Now there is some symbolism in there, but, uh, but, but that it's not real, real deep in the first chapter. There's one point where when John sees Jesus, you know, he's got a sharp two-edged sword coming out of his mouth, but that's just symbolic of the word of God. You know, when Jesus speaks, it's the word of God coming out, but it's an outstanding vision of the Lord Jesus Christ. And people have, Ask me, Pastor, what do you think Jesus looks like? Well, if you want to know, uh, go to the book of Revelation and read the first chapter. And uh, it's not a very long chapter, and I, I'm not going to read it all right here. But uh, but it's an outstanding vision that John had of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, I mean, when he saw Jesus, I mean, he just bit the dust. The power of God hit him and knocked him down. And, and Jesus told him, don't fear. You know, that's the word that God has for us. Don't fear. But, but an outstanding revelation and a uh, uh, vision, vision of the Lord Jesus Christ. So read that. It'll be a good assignment for you. So Jesus appears to John and he tells him to write the book of Revelation. And actually what, what he has in, in mind, Jesus has in mind is there's seven local churches in that area there that Jesus wanted to address. And those are listed in chapter one of Revelation, the book of Revelation, he had seven churches there that, that he, Jesus wanted to address and had some things to say to them. And he was going to do it through John. So John wrote this, this letter. The book of Revelation is, is a letter. Okay. It, it, and, and it was to go to these seven churches. And, uh, and then Jesus had a specific message to each of the seven churches. Okay. And, and they were local churches. And uh, and so as we move into chapters two and three, now I'm not going to cover the, his messages to the churches. I did that some time ago in our church services. And if you're interested in that, it's on our website and there's no video of it, just audio. But I went through each of the seven churches. It's an outstanding uh, uh, study, uh, 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 interesting study. Uh, it's not outstanding because I did it. It's just an outstanding study. Jesus's messages to those churches. So you can go on our website under pastor's messages at summitchurch.us and get those. I'm not going to cover them here. But about a 2000 period of time from the time Jesus was raised from the dead up to the current time, 
uh, Revelations chapters 2 and 3 cover that time period. It's known as the church age. Okay, so chapter 1 of the book of Revelation, Jesus appears to John and tells him to write to these seven churches. Okay, then chapters 2 and 3 of the book of Revelation have to do with those seven uh, uh, churches. And it covers about a 2,000-year period of time, okay? And then that 2,000 years, see, we're right now where you and I live, we're coming up right on the end of that 2,000-year time period, okay? So it's important to know that, all right? So we are living in what is called the church age, and we're, it's been going on now since Jesus has been raised from the dead. So about 2,000 years has come and gone since that time. You and I are living in the church age. Now, we're not in the tribulation period right now. We're in the church age, okay? But that's coming to a close. And so what I want to do is I want to I pick up with uh, Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1. And let's see how the church age culminates. Let's see how it culminates. Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. Now, this is John. He's on the Isle of Patmos. Jesus has appeared to him. He told him that, you know, he's going to address these seven churches. And, and, and that's what, you know, he did that in chapters 2 and 3. And then he goes on and gets the rest of the book of Revelation. Okay, we'll get into that over the next weeks. But... How does the church age, the age we're in, how does it culminate? How does it, how does it close up the church age? And then what comes after that? Okay. So that's what this study is going to be about moving forward. But how does the church age culminate? Well, Revelation chapter four, verse one, watch this. Let's read it here. After these things, John, after Jesus had appeared to him and got, he's got those messages for those churches. After these things, I looked. And behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet. Think about that, like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, come up here and I'll show you things which must take place after this. After what? After the church age. But notice how the church age culminates. He he. he Notice, after these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet, remember that, a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, come up here. So John was caught up to heaven. He was caught up to heaven. That's where we get the word rapture. Rapture, it means to be caught up, okay? And so the church age is going to culminate or or conclude with what is known as the rapture or the catching up of the church from earth into heaven. Now, something that I want to make clear, and and a lot of people get confused on this. So let me me take some time here and, 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 and say something to you here about the rapture of the church and the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, and I'm going to just keep this very simple. Those are two different events. The rapture is how the church age will culminate as the church is, and we'll look at that more in a moment here, the rapture of the church. But but the rapture of the church is when the church is caught up into heaven. We'll see that Jesus will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, and all of that. And and we'll read it here in a moment. The dead in Christ will rise, and we who are alive and remain here on the earth will be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. We'll be changed means we'll get a glorified body, and we're caught up into heaven. Okay, that's the rapture of the church. Jesus's feet does does never touches never he never comes and touches the planet, the planet Earth with his feet at the rapture, okay? You have the rapture of the church, and then there's approximately about a seven-year period, which is known as the tribulation period, and we'll talk about that here as we go in future sessions. And then at the end of that seven-year period, then you have what is known as the second coming of Jesus, 
when he actually comes back to earth, he sets his feet down on the earth, and then he goes on and establishes establishes his what's known as his millennial or 1,000-year reign upon the earth. So don't get rap, the rapture of the church confused with the second coming of Christ, because those are two different events, and they're separated by approximately seven years, which is known as the tribulation period. Okay, so we'll say more about that as we go, but I wanted to make that clear up front because a lot of people get those two events, the rapture and the second coming, uh, confused, okay? Now, as I said, the word rapture, it, it means to be caught up. Now, people will come in and say, well, you can't find the word rapture in the Bible. Well, you can't find the word trinity in the Bible either. But just because you can't find that word in the Bible doesn't mean that the Trinity isn't isn't so. It, you know, one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So there's three persons, yet one God. But the word Trinity, you, you don't find that word in the Bible, but you certainly know that, that God is one, but manifested in three persons, Father, Son, the Lord Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, okay? So just because the word isn't in there doesn't mean that that the concept isn't so. Similarly with rapture, people will say, well, the word rapture isn't even in the Bible. Well, that is true, but the event is, and someone years ago attached the word rapture to the event of the catching up, and so the word rapture doesn't appear in the Bible, but the event is clearly there, okay? And something else I'll point out to you that, you know, if you look at the Old Testament, there were there were some men in the Old Testament that got caught up into heaven, like Enoch and Elijah. And, and I'm not going to get into it right here, but at, at the end, when everything is done, at the end of the book of Revelation, there will actually have been uh, seven different uh, raptures that take place, the rapture of the church just being one of them. Uh, here's another one. Think about this. When Jesus, after he was raised from the dead and he gave his final message to his disciples, remember, he was caught up into heaven where he's now seated at the right hand of the Father. Well, he's getting ready to come back and rapture the church and catch the church up into heaven. So that's going to be an exciting, exciting time. Also, too, I want to say this, that word trumpet there, it said, John said he heard a voice as of, of a trumpet. As we get into the study, we're going to see in the book of Revelation that there are actually seven trumpets that are mentioned. And some people say that the seventh trumpet of Revelation, they say, well, that's the last trump. So, it, you know, this trumpet here, the rapture of the church, you know, is, is, is that trumpet. And there's much confusion about this trumpet that we just read about and the, the trumpet at the, at near the end of the book of Revelation. And then they say, well, the, you know, the church isn't going to be raptured because it gets out of a time sequence with the trumpets. Look, as you study the last trumpet of the book of Revelation, it's a trumpet of judgment. And we'll see as we go that the church is taken out of here before the, the judgment of God out of the earth. Church is taken out of the earth before the real the judgments of God hit the earth. So two different trumpets. OK, so we'll talk more about the the seventh trumpet of the book of Revelation later. But for now, there's going to be a trumpet. We all need to be listening for that because well, let's, let, let, let's just read about it. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. What happens at the rapture of the church? Now, I started quoting it just a moment ago, but let's read it here. Now, I want to say this. If this wasn't I mean, this is going to be such an out, uh, 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 astounding event that, I mean, that if, if it wasn't in the Bible so clearly, I'd have, I, I don't think I'd believe it. But I do believe it because the Bible says it. And I mean, some, some interesting things are going to happen, but the Bible says it. It's very clear. So I believe it and I'm looking forward to it. Okay. So let's read about this. In 1 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul was given this. And, and and it's in verse 16, this is shall I get excited about the rapture. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse 16. For the Lord himself, he's not going to send an angel. He's going to do it himself. <laughs> I get excited. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, 
This is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. Now, this is how the church age is going to culminate. And this is all happening before the tribulation starts. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God. There it is, with the trumpet of God. Remember John on the Isle of Patmos heard that trumpet? And he was caught up to heaven. Well, here the apostle Paul's writing about that trumpet. See, John, John on the Isle of Patmos was a type of the church, okay? And he was in the spirit on the Lord's day, probably on Sunday, you know? And he was over in prayer and he hears this trumpet, you know, but Jesus had just appeared to him and now he's, he's continuing in prayer and he hears this trumpet and he says, come up. He goes up to heaven. See, he's a type of the church. Well, now Paul is writing about this. Uh, uh, and he says, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Notice the dead in Christ. That means everybody from the time of Adam and Eve, all the way down to the time that this happens, everyone who died with their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, they are going to rise first. Their bodies are going to be blasted up out of cemeteries. If they've been cremated, God's going to bring their bodies back together. I don't know how he's going to do it. That's above my pay grade, but I tell you what, God's powerful. And the dead in Christ will rise first and their bodies will be resurrected and they'll get glorified bodies. See, their spirits right now are in heaven with the Lord, but they're, the Lord's going to descend. Those people, spirits, from the, we're talking about all the believers of all ages, their spirits who are with the Lord right now in heaven, they're going to come back with him. Their bodies are going to be blasted out of the graves. They're going to get glorified bodies. Their spirits are going to go back in their bodies. You see, now, if this wasn't written in the Bible, I'd have trouble believing it, but it's clearly in the Bible. I mean, you talk about one of the most fascinating, powerful things has ever happened. My goodness, the dead in Christ will rise first. That's a resurrection, you see. Okay, and then people say, well, okay, well, all right. So if that happens, all right, my loved ones who've already died, they believed on the Lord Jesus, they're in heaven, so they're gonna they're gonna get their their glorified bodies and all of that. But what about us? What about us? What if we're still 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 here? living at that time. What about us? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Let's read the next verse. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. That's rapture, caught up together with them. See, the dead in Christ just rose. They go first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and thus will always be with the Lord. Think about think about that. That is exciting. That is shouting ground. Glory to God. I'm looking forward to that. That is the next major biblical event, as far as I'm concerned, that's going to hit this earth. You know, we see a lot of the signs of the end that we've talked about, but the Lord's going to come back and 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 we're going to heaven, all of the us who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to be exciting. And then verse 18, comfort one another with these words. Well, let me, I think I've comforted you a little bit with these words. I mean, maybe you're feeling down right now. You've been in your house and you've been cooped up in there and all of that. All of us have been going through this, you know, social distancing. But I tell you what, when the Lord comes back, if this social distancing is still going on, you know, at the time he comes, he's going to put an end to all of that because, because we're going to be, together with him and one another when that rapture takes place. No coronavirus there. Praise God. That's I'm excited about that. Now, listen, go to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Let's go there, verse 51. I want to read a little bit more on this. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. I usually use the New King James Version, but New Living Translation. Let's, let's look at this. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. But let me reveal, again, the Apostle Paul writing by the Holy Spirit. He says, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we shall all be transformed. 
Well, we just talked about that. He's just given us a little more on it. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye. I mean, this rapture is going to happen so fast that we're not even going to be able to watch the graves come open because the graves are going to come open. The dead's going to rise, and then we're going to be changed and all of that. And it's going to happen so fast in a blink, just faster than I can snap my finger, blink my eye. My goodness. Let me read this. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet, there's that trumpet, is blown. All right? There's that trumpet again. For when the trumpet sounds, we're talking about the trumpet of God. I mean, that's a powerful trumpet when that thing goes off. (laughs) Glory to God. Glory to God. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will be transformed. That means what's going to happen to us if we're still alive when the rapture takes place, our bodies are going to be changed and we're going to get a glorified body. <laughs> Glory to God. That's going to be something more. That'll be fun. I'm looking forward to that. And, uh, and then verse 43, for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Well, why is that? Because our physical bodies in the shape we're in now couldn't take the glory of heaven. We've got to be changed to be able to, because we're going to heaven, we've got to be changed before we can go up there and be be in all that glory. Well, I tell you, that's the rapture of the church. I'm excited about that. Now, I'm getting ready to close here, but let let me just give you a little bit more. I mean, you're there in your houses. You can't really go out anyway, so you might as well let me finish this, okay? All right, so let's let's finish this. So the church age, which we're in right now, is going to culminate with this rapture, this this catching up of the church. Okay. Now, people want to argue about who goes into rapture, who goes into rapture, who goes into rapture. Well, you know, some will tell you that you know you have to be uh, born again, you have to be a Christian, and you have to be living on fire, just almost perfect go in the rapture. Otherwise, if you're not, you could be left behind. Well, let me tell you this. Everyone who's not saved will be left behind. But who goes in the rapture? Well, we just read the answer. It was back there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He said the dead in Christ. Well, he gave you the answer. Who's going in the rapture? Well, everyone who's in Christ, whether you're dead or living, either way, if you're in Christ, you get in on the rapture. Okay. All right. Now, the Bible is very clear on that, but some will argue and say, well, you have to be saved and you have to be living a certain way. You have to, you know, be living totally on fire for God. Well, I believe we should live on fire for God. But let me tell you this. Heaven is a free gift. There's nothing you and I can do in in and of ourselves with good works or whatever. As important as good works are, there's nothing we can do to earn heaven, okay? It's a free gift. So who's going in the rapture? Everybody who's in Christ. How do you get in Christ? By repenting of your sins. It's turning from your sins and receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Believing in your heart that God's raised him from the dead, confessing him with your mouth, you know, that's how you that's how you get saved. That's how you miss hell. That's how you make heaven. That's how you get to go into rapture, okay? Now, somebody might be out there thinking, well, you know, I hadn't been living just as I should, and maybe I'm gonna well, I'll get to go into rapture even though I haven't been living as I should. Well, you get to go in the rapture if you're in Christ, okay? But if you hadn't been living like you should, there's something coming up that we're gonna get to next time called the judgment seat of Christ. And uh and 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 we'll talk about the next talk about that in the next session. And um, once you hear what I have to say about that, what the Bible has to say about that, I you'll want to start living right, okay? All right, so um let's let's just conclude with this. All right, the rapture. We've been talking about that today. And, and you hear these words as you study about, about end time events, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, uh, 
mid-trib, pre-trib, post-trib. Some people believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. In other words, the rapture is going to take place before the tribulation. Okay, I personally believe that. Then others argue in a mid-tribulation rapture that there's going to be, you know, the rapture isn't going to take place until the middle of the tribulation. And then others even uh, say, well, there's going to be a post-tribulation rapture, that the rapture isn't even going to happen until after all the events of Revelation have occurred. Now, look, people want to argue about this, mid-trib, pre-trib, post-trib. Look, I've studied this for years. Here's the thing. I see no evidence really of a post-tribulation rapture. But the pre-tribulation rapture, which is where the church is caught up to heaven before the tribulation, that is true. That is right. We just talked about that. That's going to happen before the tribulation, the terrible, terrible time that's coming upon the earth. You think the time we're in right now is bad with this coronavirus. Well, this is nothing compared to what's coming down the road. That's why you want to get saved and know Jesus so that you get out of here before the the real tribulation starts, okay? All right, but so I believe in the pre-tribulation rapture, right? The church gets raptured before the tribulation starts, okay? I'll give you some reasons for that here as I close. But people argue, well, about a mid-tribulation rapture. Well, let me tell you something. There is going to be a mid-tribulation rapture. The tribulation lasts for seven years. There's going to be a rapture also, also, See, that's why people argue about this over the years. Is it mid-trib? Is it pre-trib? Well, they're both really correct. There is a pre-tribulation rapture for all of those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and trust in him. But after, we'll see this as we go after the rapture of the church, there's going to be multitudes of Christians that get saved. Absolutely. We'll talk about that as we go. People that that really didn't have time for the Lord Jesus, you know, and they've heard preachers like me teach on the rapture and they didn't give much, you know, belief to it or give much time to it, you know. And all of a sudden they're going to say, you know, these preachers and, and these believer friends of mine, they were right. I mean, there's going to be people getting saved by the by the truckloads, by the multitudes after the rapture, ta- after the uh, the rapture of the church takes place. During that first three and a half years of the tribulation, well, people are going to be getting saved all the way through the tribulation. But that first three and a half years, there's going to be all kinds of people get saved. And then as we, we go here, we'll see that last half of the tribulation is, is far worse than the first half. There's going to be a rapture in the middle of that tribulation where all the people that got saved during the first half, they get to go to heaven. God's a good God. But look, you don't want to have to go through any of the tribulation. So be sure that you're saved, that you know Jesus, and you're going to get in on the pre-tribulation rapture. Now, as I close, why do I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture of the church, okay? Well, Jesus said that we should pray that we'd be able to escape the events that are coming upon the earth during the tribulation, okay? So that's one reason to believe in a pre-trib rapture. Another one here is God. The Bible says God's not appointed us to wrath. See, during that tribulation, God's going to be pouring his wrath out upon, upon the earth, okay? And uh, see, this right now, coronavirus, I, I don't see that as the judgment of God. I see that as something God can use, you know, to, to get people's attention or whatnot. But I don't see him as having sent that. But during the tribulation, see, God's wrath is going to be poured out on the earth. And the Bible says that God's not appointed us to wrath. Also, the church is not mentioned on earth. Once the rapture takes place in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, the church isn't mentioned again on earth until the end of the tribulation period, okay? And uh, also, uh, you know, we just read about the rapture being in the context of comfort and hope. Well, if you knew that you had to go through the tribulation, there's no comfort and hope in that, okay? And then you also need to realize that during the tribulation, the seven-year tribulation, God is not dealing with the church. He's dealing with the church now. During the tribulation period, he's dealing with, with, with the Jews, okay? So another reason to believe the church is going to be caught out of here, out of the earth, before the tribulation starts. Also, here's another one. I like this one, and we'll see this as we go. The Antichrist cannot be released upon the earth until the church 
is raptured out. We, the church, the body of believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we, the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we're the ones holding the Antichrist, that evil man that's going to arise in the future. We're the, the power here that's holding him back. He can't even be released until the church is raptured out of this earth. That's good news right there. I don't want. I don't want to see. I don't want to see that guy. And then we come back at the end of the tribulation with the Lord riding on those white horses. Okay. Well, we had to get to heaven somehow, so we get to heaven in the rapture that takes place at the beginning of the tribulation. Or if you're silly enough to not get saved and and miss the rapture then hopefully you'll get saved during the first three and a half years of the tribulation and get raptured then. But anyway, the church has to get to heaven to come back riding on those white horses. I'm looking forward to riding on that white horse when we get to come back at the end of the tribulation. We'll talk about that as we go. But just some reasons here. And then the final one is that uh, if, if, if the church doesn't get raptured, we're going to miss a lot of the heavenly events, there's some heavenly events that are going to go on, particularly what's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're going to miss out on that if we're not in heaven. So we have to get be in heaven to take part in that. So, hey, the, I gave you like eight reasons here to believe in the, uh, the pre-tribulation rapture of the church, okay? So anyway, uh, I hope you've enjoyed this today. I've tried my best to make it simple. And... Uh, and we'll pick up right here next Wednesday, and we're going to be talking about the the event that happens immediately after the rapture, and it's going to be uh, the judgment seat of Christ, okay? It's going to be a time of great reward for so many and a time of sorrow and loss for others, as we'll see. So um, I look forward to seeing you again right here next Wednesday. All right. God bless you all. Bye-bye.